This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer and I am excited to be back today Missed Monday's episode because I was just a little bit under the weather (laughs) You know, it happens to the best of us, but That means we have even more to talk about today. We're going to get into Roni a little bit. This week's episode I thought was very interesting. But first, we've got to talk about what happened this week on Below Deck Down Under. Now, I have not really been keeping up with this season of Below Deck. I'm just going to say Below Deck. Below Deck Down Under. It's a whole mouthful. I get it. It's a lot. What they have done with the Below Deck scheduling is cruel and unusual punishment to me specifically. And I I think to some of you, I've been seeing some comments and things. They have been airing since the latter half of Below Deck Sailing Yacht this past season, two episodes a week, Monday nights, back to back of these Below Deck shows. And I just, this is a pace that I cannot keep up with. There are so many things happening in the world every week. We're watching Atlanta. We're watching New York. We're watching Crappy Lake. We're watching OC. We're watching, uh, you know, I'm watching Only Murders in the Bill. There's so many things happening in the world and in the Bravo world in particular. Watch What Happens Live. Do you want me to watch What Happens Live or do you want me to watch two episodes a week of Below Deck? Because finding time for both is challenging. So, I interviewed Aisha before this season of Below Deck Down Under uh, premiered. I had a lovely time chatting with her. I had watched the premiere, but I had not been keeping up on a week-to-week basis with this show simply because of the scheduling. I gotta be, I gotta be real. I think they've done the scheduling like that because now that Down Under is on Bravo instead of Peacock, they just have too many Below Deck episodes per year to only air one per Monday night per season at a time. So I get that they're probably trying to kind of run through these seasons a little quicker, but it's it's a lot to keep up with. But anyway, so we are, as of this week, seven episodes into this season of Below Deck Down Under. And on Monday night into Tuesday morning, I started seeing a lot of conversation about this week's episodes on social media. And so I knew I had to check it out. So I dipped back in. I watched the last two episodes and oh boy it is it's tough stuff i honestly was getting pretty emotional watching the episodes because this situation that's happening if you if you like me have been lackadaisical about this season of below deck down under i will just sort of set the stage a little bit so asia is the chief stew Jason is the captain. This guy, Luke, is the bosun. And we have the second and third stews are Margot and Laura. So basically on the first episode that came out this week, they have their crew night out, whatever. Margot is pretty drunk, as is, you know, 
par for the course. It is <laughs> below deck. How many episodes have we watched? People get drunk. You know, it happens. So on the car ride back to the boat, Margot is, you know, sort of fading in and out. She is lightly passed out, I would say, in the back of the car. And Luke is already sort of seeming to kind of not be picking up on the fact that she is, in fact, far too drunk to be any kind of sexual partner for the evening. And Aisha is picking up on that, too. And she's seeing that Luke is kind of not not acting the, the correct way with Margot. So when they get back to the boat, Aisha basically puts Margot to bed and doesn't want Luke anywhere near her. And then the power goes out. It's a little weird. You know, it's hard to see. At first, I was like, did production like turn the lights off? I don't know. It was weird. Luke goes into Margot's cabin. She is passed out asleep. In the top bunk, he is butt-ass naked and he crawls in bed with her. And it, it it is truly to watch it unfold like this is so strange. The He leaves the door open. He's in bed and the producer, we hear the producer, hey, Luke, buddy, you know, you got to get out. You got to get out. He's saying he doesn't want to get out. Margot's saying it's sleepy time. He gets out of bed. He, again, fully naked, slams the door. Production opens the door again. He slams it again. They finally get him out of the room. He goes into his cabin. He shuts the door, locks the door. Laura goes in there. It's a whole mess. So, so upsetting to watch. And the fact that production specifically had to go in there with a flashlight while the lights were off and basically drag him out of this room. Meanwhile, the other Stu, Laura, is fully just throwing herself at Adam. He doesn't want anything to do with her. He's said this multiple times. They're in the hot tub. He's like, no, no, no. I'm good. Thank you. He goes into his cabin. He gets on his bed on the top bunk, laying, you know, face down on the bed. And Laura climbs up into his bed. The producer has to drag her out, too. The fact that this is happening in two separate cabins on the boat at essentially the same time from two different people, it's like... It was bizarre, bizarre to watch. And also, of course, quite upsetting. Aisha then goes into Margot's room, basically figures out what has happened. She's very upset by it. She wakes up Captain Jason. You know, she tells him Jason wakes Luke up and makes him get off the boat, spend the night in a hotel. I really the fact that Aisha, she said that she's been in a situation like this before. She doesn't want it to happen to anyone else. The fact that she, you know, trusted her instincts to go wake up Jason and facilitate getting Luke off the boat so people could feel safe. The way this was handled just from from start to finish from Aisha and Jason was really, really kind of heartwarming to see. I think on Below Deck so much of the time there are these situations that just feel like they're sort of handled poorly or they're let to go on for just a little too long and it's uncomfortable. And there is always that question of when should production step in? Obviously they are in this kind of constructed environment where they're creating a TV show, but at the same time, these people are really doing their jobs on a real boat. So, you know, in terms of firing a crew member that falls to Captain Jason, but then obviously there's a separate layer of in terms of somebody who is, being employed on a Bravo show by this production company. It's it's always been an interesting sort of dual layer system. And the idea of, you know, who who is paying your salary? Who is who does the buck stop with? Who gets to make these final decisions? 
And the fact that production stepped in, I think, kind of just enough to really stop anything worse from happening. But then from there on out, Aisha and Jason really stepped up and did what needed to be done. I feel like we've all had that moment where you're at somebody's wedding and you're looking around the food, the venue, the music, the overall vibe. And you're making like that mental checklist of if I were planning a wedding right now, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. What would I want to copy from this? What would I want to change? What would I want to tweak? Well, I've been a part of my fair share of weddings over the years, and I know just how stressful the process can be. You go from that newly engaged bliss to overwhelmed by invitation paper and flower colors in the blink of an eye. But using Zola helps with wedding planning from start to finish and makes every decision easier so you can stay in your bliss. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake, Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and even maybe enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on your couch. Zola helps couples plan the wedding they really want with tons of unique features and personalized recommendations based on a couple's preferences Every Zola wedding is as unique as the couple planning it. They've thought of everything you'll need and have built every tool to get you to I do, including customized checklists to get you moving, keep you on track, and prepare you for what's next. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they're the only shapewear that won't ever roll down no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at Honey honeylove.com slash MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honeylove. The next morning, uh, Jason calls a crew meeting. He tells them right away that Luke is fired. And this is when, this is when things really start to take another turn because Laura, oh God. Laura is so distraught over what has happened with her her dear friend who she she wanted to get with and he turned her down. This man Luke, she is down bad for this guy and it is so 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 hard to watch the way that she is just ugh, incapable of understanding this situation. The way that every single other person on the boat, by the way, seems Fully on board with what Luke did to Margot was fully not okay. It was not at all Margot's fault. You know, she Margot says that she feels stupid for letting herself get so drunk. And this is, I mean, it's so tough because I think that is something that so many people go through, that they feel like they did something to to let this happen to them or to put themselves in that position. And 
Aisha and Zarina tell her right away that she shouldn't feel like that, that it's not her fault. She talks to her mom and her sister on the phone and they're saying the same things to her. It really was, it was nice to see in those moments how all of the women that she's speaking to, Laura aside, we'll get to Laura in a minute, but all of the other women were really uplifting her and being there for her and telling her you know, what she needed to hear, which is that this situation really had nothing to do with her. It was all of this stuff that Luke had decided to do and that she didn't do anything to really put herself in that position. Meanwhile, Laura cannot keep her mouth shut. She's talking to everyone on the boat, including Margot, about how sad she is that Luke is gone. She literally says, poor Luke, and that he, you know, all of them are feeling bad about this right now, but Luke is the one that's feeling the worst saying this to Margot, to Margot's face. And then when Margot tells her what happened, because she says she doesn't understand, she says that if he had come in her room naked, she would have been happy. And he would have been like, oh, yes, you know, come to me. And it's like, well, first of all, yeah, because you wanted to get with him from the start and he turned you down. But also, it's like, that is not the situation that we're talking about right now. Watching that first episode, you know, those coming back from the night out, Margot was blackout drunk, barely knew what was happening, passed out in her bed right away. It, this was not a situation where it was two people who were on even footing going into a situation like this. It's like the fact that Laura can't seem to wrap her mind around that this is just categorically not okay. Even if Margot was so into Luke and, you know, they had had this ongoing thing or whatever, in the situation where she is blackout drunk and passed out in her bed, that is still a line that he would get fired for crossing, rightfully so. And Laura, I mean, Laura, it just is, it's its painful to watch the way that she is going about this. After the crew meeting where they find out Luke gets fired, she's immediately saying that she's sad for Luke. She, wa- she asks if they can say goodbye. Jason says no. And she's, you know, oh, poor Luke. And Adam is like, well, you know, I think it's more important for us to make sure that Margot's okay right now. We gotta, we gotta take care of her. And it is, it's, it's so nice to see everybody else on the boat kind of looking at Laura and being like, are, are you fucking serious? Right? Like, are you, for real? That's your response to this? There's a, literally, again, she talks to Margot in the laundry saying that she's basically saying that, oh, you know, nothing would have really happened. You know, Luke is a sexual guy. Like, we're all sexual people. Like, I'm a sexual person. Like, you know, it, it would have been fine. And it's like, just no. And I was saying this to someone, like, even if, even if this was her thought process and she was like, eh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Why the fuck are you saying it to everyone on the boat? That is something I don't understand. In a situation like this, if you are somebody who like doesn't give a fuck and has these like wild opinions, why do you think it's in your best interest to go around saying them to everyone? Like keep your fucking mouth shut. Because then Margot is going to talk to Aisha and Aisha is going to talk to Captain and then Captain's going to be like, oh, that's not good. Margot she said that to you and Adam, she did that to you. Okay. That's all I need to know. Laura, can you come in here? Yeah. You're fired. And that's exactly what he does. So she's like all upset. You know, she, she really thinks Luke should have gotten a warning. She thinks she asks if she can have a warning and it's like, 
bitch, you fucked around and you found out. You said everything that you were thinking with not a care in the world for anybody else's feelings, emotions, trauma that they're going through. And then you're like shocked that there's a real consequence that's not just like, oh, uh, next time, mm, try to, mm. like, no, that was your chance. It's over. Nobody on this boat would want you around. You know, even like you can tell Adam really is struggling with this situation with Laura because he doesn't want to be the one that's like getting her in trouble with Asia, with Captain. He's he's like qualifying everything that he's saying. He's like, you know, I, I think maybe because I had been playful with her or whatever, like I, I didn't she didn't think I was serious or, you know, I don't want to get her in trouble. I just, you know, yeah, there is a little it's like. No, even even the soft version that he's selling them is enough to get her fired. So it just is it's wild to me that she thinks that all of this situation is just like, oh, just give me a warning. Just give me a warning. It'll be OK. It's like, no. And I think this is I don't know. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation right now about how these shows are made and, you know, whether Bravo and production companies are exploiting people and, you know, the sort of conditions around being on these shows. And this is a conversation that I think is worth having and is very, there are a lot of layers to it. Every situation is different. And I think in this specific situation, at least for once, it feels like things were really handled the best they could have been. And that has certainly not always been the case on Bravo shows. I mean, on Below Deck especially, I think because these people are living and working and spending 24 hours a day in such close quarters, we have had people on these shows who have been toxic as hell and have not been dealt with, I think, appropriately or at least in the way that we would like them to be. And that is, it's tough to watch sometimes. And it's its frustrating as a viewer and as a fan of these shows and somebody who wants things to be positive. Like I want, obviously I want there to be drama and I want there to be, you know, storylines and stuff on Below Deck. But there's a big difference between a love pentagon or whatever the fuck we have this season earlier on and somebody getting sexually assaulted in their bed. And I think this is this pair of episodes, I guess, was a good kind of reminder that these things can be handled swiftly and in a way that actually supports the best interests of the people who need to be supported versus just like, oh, that was some drama last night. Uh, Luke, why don't you go apologize to Margot or, you know, like, let's have a talk. And I think there was, I saw some conversation that it was like, you know, certain other below deck captains or franchises might have handled this situation a lot differently and in a, in a way that felt less appropriate. And I, I don't know, it's hard to know if that's true, but it, it did feel like in this case, Asia and Jason and also production when they got involved were able to really take care of it and handle it in a way that honestly, I mean, just based on what we've seen in the past, I was surprised and I was pleasantly surprised to see both of them get fired by the end of this episode. There was no hemming and hawing on Captain Jason's part. And so, yeah, I mean, really tough stuff. Definitely emotional. I would say if you haven't, if you haven't watched episode six and seven of Below Deck Down Under, 
I think it's really worth watching, even if you're just just kind of dipping into this season. But also, it's tough to watch. So if it's something that is going to be a really upsetting thing for you to see, then I think it's okay not to watch it. But I think it's good to know that on these shows, in these heightened environments where everything is on camera and everything is for the show, you can still be handling these situations in a manner that makes people feel seen and heard and supported. And I I hope that in the future, I mean, I hope that in the future there aren't more situations like this. But beyond that, I hope that if or when there are, they can be handled in, in this type of way. Splash Refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I guess now we should move to Roni, which feels like you know, a little bit of a dessert, I guess, after that meal that was below deck down under this week. The Roni girls, they're spending one last morning in the Hamptons. Erin makes her shakshuka, finally. Bryn is going to London with her ex-fiance, Gideon, her third ex-fiance. Sai is still complaining about the food on the way out the door. I would, I would say overall, the Hamptons trip, it was a good kind of crash course into the world of this show, I think. It gave us a good kind of overview of everyone's way of handling things and everyone's personalities and 
how they fit together. Overall, I would say the food seems to be the biggest sticking point. The shakshuka looked really good. I was very surprised that all of these women had not had shakshuka before. Like, this is not, we're in 2023. Like, it's a food that people eat. Like, Sai was bewildered by the shakshuka. She's like, it's eggs and tomato sauce. I'm like, yeah. And that's, it is delicious. With like some bread, you know, you like soak up the sauce. What's not to like? Uh, Anyway, I don't know. The best part of this episode, I think, was getting to know a little more about Bryn and specifically the the scene when she was at the hair salon, hearing her talk about her experience being raised mostly by her maternal grandmother. She shares that her mom is white, her dad is black. So she was raised by her white grandmother in a pretty much all white community in Indiana. And because of that, she feels like she missed out on having a meaningful black community in her life until she started going to the hair salon every weekend when she was a kid. And that is, you know, hearing her talk about that side of her and that part of her identity, I think is really, it's really interesting to kind of add more layers to this cast. And I think when the cast was announced, it's like, obviously, you know, like Brony in the past was quite not diverse. And that was something that they obviously were had on their mind when they were casting this season. But this is like such a specific experience that Bryn has that's, more complicated than just like my mom is white, my dad is black. And I think hearing her share about that and talk more about the fact that her childhood was pretty tough and she doesn't have much family and, you know, the family that she does have are assholes. So she doesn't really see them or talk to them. And this idea of Thanksgiving being this time that most people are spending with their families and super happy and, you know, you're doing X, Y, Z, great traditions And Brynn doesn't feel like she has that. She doesn't have a family to have traditions with. And so Sai deciding to throw her a Friendsgiving or a Brynnsgiving, as they call it, I thought was really lovely. But before we get there, there's, you know, uh, a bit more to talk about. Jessel and Pavit have this conversation that I thought was interesting. So first of all, they start out, they're disagreeing over what type of preschool to send their children to. So she wants the private Montessori preschool and he wants them to go to bum, 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 public school. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. Public school. I went to public school. So I don't know what New York public preschools are like, but, you know, they seem to be kind of like a little bit off in terms of their communication on a myriad of topics, I would say. Obviously, where to send your kids to school is an important conversation. It harkens back to the early days of Roni, which um, we're going to be rewatching soon. But more important than that, he's diagnosing sort of what happened with the ladies in the Hamptons, which I, as I was watching this, first of all, I think there is truth to what he's saying, which is that sometimes her tone it can rub people the wrong way. And, you know, it's not, she does, she doesn't always, you know, say the right thing, X, Y, Z, which we have already seen a few times. There's this clip going around, which I think is from next week's episode of her telling Aaron that Tribeca is a nice up and coming neighborhood, which if you live or have spent time in New York in the last few years, is just like a comically <laughs> just like weird thing to say. Um, you know, she shows up to the Brins giving and she's like, Aaron, babe how was your grandma's memorial it's like jessel honey (laughs) how do you think the memorial was it was sad 
And then, of course, you know, in the Hamptons, there's the stuff about the the lingerie, which was a whole thing. But I think that the way that he is kind of giving her these notes on her communication, I think he's framing it in a way that makes it feel a little too broad. And I, I think the thing is, he's talking about the Hampton situation. Sir, he was not there. He's like, well, you know what happened in the Hamptons is you you kind of act like a bitch sometimes. And so that's probably why people aren't loving you. And it's like, okay, first of all, maybe like tone down the rhetoric just a petit peu. But speak for yourself. Talk about your own interactions as a couple. Obviously, there are things to talk about, you know. You know, she's going to take him on a staycation. So maybe they can finally have sex. I don't know. More power to her. But like I would just say to Pavit, I feel like you would get further. You get more. I was gonna say bang for your buck, but that feels, uh, that feels like I don't know wrong. But like the conversation would go better if you were talking about how you feel sometimes when she speaks a certain way. Not like, well, I bet all these women think you're a bitch. Obviously, I paraphrase, but I just think I I think that. Uh, the situation with the cast is so new. They're all still tiptoeing their way around each other and sort of figuring out where they all fit. And so, you know, it, then Jenna goes to Aaron's and they're talking about Jessel. There's a lot of talk about Jessel. Earlier we have, you know, Cy and her husband and Bryn talking about Jessel, which honestly, Cy's husband David honestly has the most uh, empathetic response to Jessel's intimacy struggles in her marriage, basically being like, I have no idea what it's like to have a baby, let alone twins. So I'm sure that she is really, you know, going through whatever that entails. And it's tough to figure your shit out. And it's like, wow, (laughs) this like white man in his forties with just perfectly prescribed everything that it we've been sort of picking up from Jessel while meanwhile the women in the cast who are like supposedly her friends are like you need to get fucked <laughs> good job David I want to see more of him I like David but anyway Jenna goes to Aaron's they talk about Jessel as well apparently Jessel uh Jenna tells Aaron that Jessel called the women cackling hags when they were shopping together talking about their stuff in the Hamptons and Jenna says that Jessel seems to mean well. She doesn't think there's anything malicious about her, but she doesn't always realize how she's coming across. And I think this sounds, it's a little similar to what Pavit was saying about Jessel's tone. But the thing is, Jenna can actually speak to what happened in the Hamptons because she was, in fact, there. Whereas Pavit is like guessing, it seems, how the women are reacting to her. But anyway, this sort of comes to a head because at the Brin's giving, um, which you know, we don't get to see the whole thing of Aaron is basically like, Hey, Jessel. (laughs) So I heard that you call those cackling hags question mark. And this, I, okay. I love the way that Jenna Lyons, whether she says unintentionally has become like the bone carrier for this season. And she says that she doesn't want to be the pot stirrer and the producer, the confessional producer is like, then why did you tell her? And she's like, I um, I don't know. And I, I actually believe Jenna because I think that for somebody like maybe Aaron or Bryn, I think they have a little bit more reality TV brain 
where they're already the gears are turning of, you know, for Aaron coming to the, the Brins giving and saying, okay, I'm going to bring up to Jessel the thing that Jenna told me she said about us being cackling hags and I'm going to say it in front of the group so then everybody can have an opinion and then it's going to be this moment. I think that is Aaron's thought process, which I, I am good with. I like people who know what they're doing on reality TV, but I think with Jenna, there is this kind of purity almost of like, oh no, I didn't, oh, oh. Oh, oh, that's, oh, God. No, that's not what I'm, oh, God. I'm curious to see kind of how she develops over a season or two on this show, because I think for people who maybe haven't spent as much time watching or thinking about reality TV before they begin to do it, there can be that process of like, oh, well, I mean, they told us we were supposed to talk about what happened. So I talked about what happened, but I didn't actually connect the dots of like, then you were going to tell the other person and then they were going to be mad at me and I was going to look messy. And so right now I appreciate Jenna's naivete because I think it's bringing us some messiness that she wouldn't necessarily have subscribed to if it was, if it felt intentional or if she knew what she was doing. But I'm interested to see as her time on Bravo progresses, does she sort of pull back a little bit and shy away from the mess that she can see coming? Or is she like, okay, this is kind of fun. I can get down with this because I hope it's the latter, obviously. But I don't know. Overall, I I enjoyed this episode. Brin's giving. It's a hit. I'm excited to see what happens next. And you know, maybe maybe I'll even keep watching Blow Duck Down Under. Those two episodes a week, though. Damn. It's tough. These these are the problems we deal with. You know, I guess, I guess it could be worse. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. You can follow me at Dylan Hafer. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all, like, uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Picot. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Batches.